All righty, good afternoon, everybody. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Told everyone that we, uh, we'd be talking to everybody during um, the offseason, and the offseason is, uh, is off and running, Wiz. Lots happening. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, yeah. A lot of action. Uh, seems like uh, there's a week, uh, every, every passing week, there's a trade or a transaction. Uh, and uh, about a month from today, we'll be getting into the... Uh, We'll be getting into the free agents, and uh, that, that of course, is going to have uh, fantasy implications. So, uh, doing okay. And uh, we should mention that uh, the uh, guru is the uh, Luke Garrick of podcast here. He had a medical procedure and still made sure that uh, he was available to the podcast. So, uh, we're all happy that you're, uh, you're doing well. Uh, thank you very much. Yep, feeling good, feeling good. Bouncing back here. L- lots happening, obviously, but... Uh, Got to make sure you take care, e- even in these times of COVID. Uh, I know there's been some reluctance of people to kind of take care of things, and I, I think that's a dangerous thing. I actually have remained very diligent about doing my uh, year-to-year checkups. Uh, so hope everybody kind of follows suit because uh, you know at the end of the day, you don't want to you want to you want to hit the you want to hit stuff before it uh, really knocks you over the head. So, uh, but yeah, feeling good. Thank you very much, Wiz. Uh, so let's let's kind of get right into it here. Um, you know, we, we did that uh, quarterback we, uh, preview. We started talking about it. And one of the things that was kind of discussed was the Indianapolis Colt quarterback position. And sure enough, Carson Wentz, I personally think he's landed in the spot, which which gives him the most ability to succeed. Uh, if, if we look at how Carson Wentz performed as a quarterback with Frank Reich as his offensive coordinator, in Philadelphia, leading into that Super Bowl season in 2017. Now, of course, Wentz was not able to partake in that with that late season ACL injury. And, and, and I think I want to talk, talk about it from your perspective, because I know you haven't been a huge Carson Wentz fan. I think he gets into a situation. Yes, the Indianapolis Colts are going to have to fill a void with Anthony Costanzo at the left tackle position. But I think this marriage probably makes more sense than any. So, you know, I know how much you feel, how strongly you feel about Jonathan Taylor. We saw the progression of Michael Pittman Jr. over the course of the season last year. Remember, no Paris Campbell over most of the season. Uh, You know, he started off really strong, and then we never saw him again. So I'd like to really hear from your perspective as as someone who is not a really a Carson Wentz fan, but at the same time, this is probably the best possible landing spot that Carson Wentz could have gotten to. At least that's the way I'm viewing it. Yeah, I would agree with that. The landing spot is 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 terrific for him. Um, he he just has to change a few things. I mean, his mindset about the position. Um, now there will be things that w- happened in with the Eagles that will not happen to him. He won't be a target on every single passing play. He won't have to worry about getting some of those big blindside hits, but he still has to uh, change the way he plays the position. There are just some plays where you got to throw the ball away or take a sack or lift the fight another day and, and not take a big hit or make a mistake or, or take a big sack. And, uh, he has to change his mindset. And and if I was coaching Carson Wentz, what I would have him do, because I think the situation is very parallels what happened in Cleveland this past year. And I would watch Baker Mayfield this year 
and the mindset and what Stefanski brought to Cleveland where, you know, you got to stay away from the mistakes. You have a great running back in Nick Chubb, I think an emerging great player in Jonathan Taylor and elite offensive lines on both teams. And watch Baker Mayfield, watch what he did this past year, and use that as his guide. And I think um, it could be a terrific season for the Colts if he understands that he just can't play the type of reckless football that he's played with in the past. And I understand some of that is the fact that the Eagles wide receivers really couldn't get open. Some of it was bad offensive line play. But a lot of it is his fault, Uh, his mistakes, um, and if he could correct that, and I'm sure Frank Wright thinks he can, then I think the Colts are onto something there. Yeah, you know, I think I think your analogy to the Browns is, is an excellent one, and I think as well Carson Wentz. You know, even going back to that injury in 2017, you know that that kind of that reckless play that that he would kind of adhere to at times was something that became a real detriment that couldn't couldn't stay on the field. And then the decision making last year, you know, you know, was a real challenge. I would say last year, I, I think given the fact that the handicap on that Eagle offensive line was something that. We we have not seen in a long time in terms of losing the literally losing the entire offensive line, um, which was a big blow and, and certainly fed upon the rest of the team and 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 really impacted the econo- uh, the the offensive performance uh, and the inefficiency of the offense. So yeah, I think this is a good spot. You know, you, you talk about the running backs. I, I know how much you love Taylor. You know, let's not forget about Naheem Hines. Who, who definitely brings another element on this team. I think they have a good young receiving core. They have, they definitely have belief in what those tight ends can do and as part of the offense. And, you know, as well as looking at what the Cleveland Browns did, um, let's face it, Phillip Rivers, not a mobile quarterback, not a guy that needed to win games with his feet. There were a few games last year where Phillip Rivers was asked to win the game with his arm. But by and large, the Indianapolis Colts' success really, especially in the second half of the season, was predicated on the performance of those two running backs and the short passing game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I, yeah, I, I would agree with I would agree with all of that. Um, he has to, you know, just like Baker did, understand that you have to cut down on the mistakes, stop trying to make great plays or big plays every single time you throw the ball and rely on um, a terrific running game and a terrific offensive line and a terrific defense. And those are things that he doesn't have with the Eagles. So the mindset has got to be different. And if he plays well, because you have to remember, Phil Rivers looked terrible um, in 2019. Then he got to the Colts, and he went, oh, wow, maybe you know he wasn't that bad. I think that's a, a product of the Colts system and their offensive line and their way they play the game. So if, if Philip Rivers could look like from 2019 to 2020, there's no reason that Carson Wentz could not play good football. And that's exactly what the Colts need from him. Good football. He doesn't have to be an MVP candidate like he was a few years ago. He doesn't have to play great. He just has to play solid cut down the mistakes, and, um, and, and I think the Colts uh, have got something going on there. All right, so let, let's look at the team uh, who he left, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, 
We saw a small sample size of what Jalen Hurts could do with his legs, for sure. I think some inconsistency with his arm. Uh, how much of that is dependent upon you know who he was throwing to? That's a whole other situation as well. So, what is your take on what will happen offensively? Especially, you know, the irony here is the offensive coordinator from from the from the Colts is now the Eagles' head coach. So, how do you think? How do you see things shaking out in Philadelphia? I don't think the trade of Carson Wentz proves or shows how the Eagles organization feels about Jalen Hurts. What they do with that number six pick, that will prove and show how the organization feels about Jalen Hurts. There'll be an opportunity for them to draft a quarterback. There'll be an opportunity even them to move up a few picks if there was just somebody that they loved. So I wouldn't think, you know, if people said, well, they traded Carson Wentz, they're ready to hand the Kings to the Kingdom to Jalen Hurts, and they love him, he's the guy, and all of that stuff. That trade is a trade where it's an addition by subtraction. That's how the Eagles are looking at it. But how what they do with that number six pick will really be the determining factor. I would not be surprised at all if the Eagles took a quarterback or – even look to move up a few spots to take somebody if there was just one of those, you know, one of that group that they absolutely love. So that'll be the, the determination of how they feel about Joe Hurts. All right. Yeah. And, and you know, obviously that there's going to be impacts on players that are, are left there. A Miles Sanders, a just, uh, uh, Jalen Rager, you know, how that shakes out, uh, you know, a lot, a lot is going to fall into place as a result of whatever decision gets made. You know, the Eagles need help probably in a lot of different areas at this point in time. So, so where they go with that pick and what they do. Yeah, certainly, certainly makes a lot of sense. Um, so, you know, we, we had that big trade a few weeks ago of the Rams and, and the Lions. And I, I think the, you know, even though the, the, the Lions got a lot in that trade, the Rams certainly are playing for today. Uh, they've cleaned up their, they've cleaned their cupboard of draft picks. Uh, you know, they've made a lot of trades and a lot of signings. So they've left themselves in an interesting position and, and, and kind of in a win now position. So as you've had some time to kind of think about this trade and the impacts on a fantasy basis, both in Detroit and in um, in Los Angeles, you know, has has anything kind of shifted in your mind as we've had a little bit of time to kind of think about that particular trade? I mean, two things. One, from the Rams' perspective, is as you mentioned, they're all in. They're all in. They gave up picks. They don't have much depth. They're all on a Matt Stafford to win a Super Bowl over these next couple of years. Uh, their window isn't long. They, you know, it's not, it's not many years. I mean, it's not like Stafford's a very, very young player, and some of those guys on defense are very, very young. They got a terrific defense. They have an excellent wide receiving core. They feel their their path to win a championship is to get Stafford in over these next couple of years. So they're all in. The, the Lions have a completely different. Like, I'm not sure anyone is certain that okay. They are happy with Goff. He's going to be their guy. Now we're going to draft other positions. They're picking seventh. Uh, everywhere I've read is that they, they love Justin Fields from Ohio State. Would they take him with that seventh pick? Who knows? Uh, so that is a very interesting situation. Kenny Galladay is almost certain to leave. Marvin Jones is, is, is going. There, 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 there's a tremendous 
tremendous overhaul going over the Lions. They need a lot of stuff. So their draft is going to be interesting. What they do, how they fear about Jared Goff. I've even read in a few places that they're going to even move Jared Goff. Like he's never going to play it down with the Lions. So I could see them not taking a quarterback and sticking with Goff. I could see them drafting a, a, a young quarterback. Or I could see them moving Goff. Um, so it, there's, there's a lot of uncertainty with the Lions. And I think this is one of a lot of reasons why this draft upcoming is uh, is going to be so exciting. Yeah, I guess the only two kind of constants right now in in the Detroit Lion offense, if you will, um, is really is really Swift at running back and Hawkinson at the tight end position. Otherwise, you could be looking at a complete overhaul at wide receiver, where even a guy like Quentin Cephas, right, a player they drafted uh, this previous year, showed a little signs of life as a player when he got an opportunity. You could see a player like that. Uh, rising uh, in, in importance on the on the Detroit Lions offense, but the Detroit Lions could look absolutely, com- obviously have a new head coach, but could be completely different uh, football team at the receiver and quarterback position, uh, depending on how things shake out. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Hawkinson's well on his way. I think if he got a quarterback in there that could, you know, deliver the ball, he he he's a top five tight end in my opinion, and uh, and there's a lot to love about Swift. But you hate to see, like, a, you know, a young quarterback, a rookie quarterback with a third-year tight end and a second-year running back. Like, it would make sense to me, like, to give Goff a chance there, see what he could do, and then address other positions with their draft. But who knows? You can never, you know, count on anything with these teams, especially the Lions. And uh, like you mentioned, you won't really recognize many names on the Lions next year. No, no, not at all. And Marvin Jones is also going to be gone as well. So it'll be a completely different look on this football team. All right. So, so Wiz, you inform me, I I didn't realize this uh, when we, when you had, uh, called in and check on, see how I was feeling. Uh, you had told me there was some rumors going around uh, the latest with regard to uh, uh, Deshaun Watson. And, and you've kind of really hinted at this a number of times now that you thought that the Carolina, <clears throat> Carolina Panthers could have been, could be uh, a stopping point for where Deshaun Watson ends up. Uh, so why don't you talk a little bit about what you've kind of heard uh, in the past week? And, and really, I think it leads to a bigger discussion uh, based on what you told me. So why don't you uh, take the lead on this one? Yeah, I mean, if you, you know, Panthers and Texans making a trade for Deshaun Watson seems to make sense to me. One, Houston doesn't want to trade him to the, within their division. They really probably they probably would not you know would prefer they probably would prefer not to trade him to the in in their conference. So getting him out of the AFC would make sense <clears throat> from the Panthers' perspective. If you look at that division, there's some you know the the, the quarterback situation uh, is is has some aging quarterbacks and some unknowns in quarterbacks. So it seems they're all in. So for weeks, I've been thinking that that was a good spot. They had the eighth pick. They would trade other first round picks. Uh, I'm not sure what the status of Bridgewater is, if he would be involved in a trade, but David Newton, who is uh, one of the beat writers for the Panthers reported that Carolina is going all in and they're willing, they're willing and ready to offer three first-round picks and Christian McCaffrey for Deshaun Watson. Um, sometimes with these things, you know, you're never quite sure. I know he's patched in, and I also know that the Texans have, like, already said, we're not trading him, 
But if that's a legitimate offer, I think you have to make that trade. That's a trade that you have to do like yesterday. Forget about today or tomorrow. Like if you are getting offered Christian McCaffrey and three first round picks for a player who does not want to be there, and you can you know get resolve that, get an elite player in McCaffrey and three first round picks. I just think it's a, it's a trade that you have to do. Now, so the only thing I would ask on that, what does that mean for a guy like Teddy Bridgewater? Because because he's still signed by Carolina, correct? I think I think I think they're uh, yeah. I think <clears throat> I think the, the, I think Carolina is either going to make a trade or they're going to draft the quarterback. I think like they've given him a one year, you know, opportunity, and I, I don't think anything's whatever. I don't think I just feel like it's it's. It's it's not a good marriage, and uh, you know appears that Teddy Bridgewater has done the thing that all the Scunter players do nowadays, like he he's deleted the Panthers from a social media account, and he's you know not talking to teammates and all that stuff. So uh, it, it appears that there'll be a new quarterback for Carolina next year, whether it's Deshaun Watson or Trey Lance, um, a rookie quarterback. It, it remains to be seen, but. It's almost a sure bet that at this point someone else will be quarterbacking for the Panthers. But that's a very, very interesting offer. And apparently Carolina's organization is all in on getting Deshaun Watson. And I got to say, look, uh, with with previous experience in the in the, in the financial industry, uh, I, I know David Tepper well. Uh, this guy is definitely going to be making some gambles, uh, and and that that is going to be definitely part of the strategy here. And you know, I think you got a nice foundation in Carolina. I think the combination of of Brady and Matt Rule seemed to work very well. I think this defense improved as the season went on last year. We saw a lot from Curtis Samuel, even with Christian McCaffrey out. You know, overall this offense was able to hold up relatively well. Mike Davis performed solidly. So, look, I think it's uh, it speaks a lot about the running back position. If in fact this is true. And I've talked about this frequently, and I just think this is a position that is in decline in terms of importance. And, you know, generally speaking now, if you're a running back in this league, you know, that, that first year, that first package is a contract that you get as a rookie running back. You know, we're, we could be at the point where that's as good as it gets. You know, we've talked a lot about how we feel about Ezekiel Elliott right now. Uh, I, I know you feel kind of strongly that maybe Derrick Henry as tremendous a player as he's been the last couple of years, but there's a lot of miles on those tires now. Uh, and it's a tough position to gauge. And I think, you know, I've talked about this frequently. And I think, you know, I'm going to probably employ this strategy in a few leagues where I just don't give a hoot about what running backs I end up with. You know, I'll, I'll take what's left, not spend a lot, not spend a lot of money there uh, because I think it's such an inter- interchangeable position uh, by today's standards in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, so two things. I'll, I'll address the le- the last thing we talked about first. You know, the running backs is uh, my drafts next year are going to be from those second year running backs. I'm also going to avoid those so called elite guys who have been disappointed, hurt, whatever. I'm going to draft all my as many in as many leagues as I can, and as many times as I can. I'm going to draft those second-year running backs. There's like, I think, 10 or 11 of them. I'm going to try and get two or three in every one of my drafts. I think that's the way to go. I just love the improvement these rookie running backs make into their, their second-year 
so I'm going to do that. As far as back to the Carolina thing is, is what what's very interesting there is Mike Davis heard he said his goodbyes. He went on Twitter and said, you know, it's been a pleasure. He's a free agent. He just is not. He knows he's not going to be resigned there. So, with Carolina making these moves to drop players to open up cap space, I think their plan A is make that trade with picks and maybe even McCaffrey if they have to to get to Sean Watson and then use free agent money and try and bring in uh, one of those available running backs to take over them because if they move McCaffrey, they will have zero running backs unless somehow they've convinced themselves that Curtis Samuel could be a full-time running back, but I don't see that being the case. So I think that is going to be so interesting uh, what the Texans do. I mean, do you do you envision a, a scenario where that it gets repaired? The, the relationship between the Texans and Watson at this point? Zero, zero chance. Absolutely zero, zero chance. chance. So, so what are they going to do? I mean, they have two options. One is to keep playing this game of chicken, if you will, and 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 just uh, see how it plays out and dare him to miss games, or to to make a you know to to make the best available trade. And uh, I don't know if you were running that organization and you had a disgruntled player who really doesn't want to be there, and you could get tremendous value for this player. Wouldn't, wouldn't you pull the trigger? On that yeah, thing? no, I, I, I definitely would pull the trigger. And I think, you know, look, you've brought in a new coach. You've brought in a new GM. Like, it's time it's time to shift gears here, right? That's it. It's a new era. Hopefully they can get uh, get the ship righted. I think there were a lot of mistakes made here, both ownership and by management. And obviously we've talked at length about Bill O'Brien and, and his ability both as a coach and as a GM. So it's time to clean the slate and move forward and you got to start doing it now. So yeah, best available deal. You make it and you move forward and you try to improve upon the situation that you're, you're in right now. Cause really you have a complete rebuild on both sides of the football. That's uh, that's underway. Look, you know, I hear everyone saying, you know, the Texans, they can't get fair value. I'm, I'm sorry, Christian McCaffrey and three first-round picks or three first-round picks and, a, and another player? That's fair value, in my opinion, considering that the, the Texans don't really have much leverage because Deshaun Watson is making it clear that he doesn't want to be there. So I, I think, you know, at some point you do get fair value, and I think – uh, if the if if the Panthers are offering anything close to that, apparently that organization is like saying, "Here's our chance," you know, let's let's, let's get it in there. Um, you know, I, I think I think you have to you have to make that trade if you're the Texans, and I I'd really be surprised if they didn't. Yeah, so I think I think the the, the one other pretty. <laughs> I think it's starting to become pretty obvious situation, and I'm not really sure what went on from the beginning of the season to how they ended the season because this is a team that was undefeated, uh, I think, through 10 or 11 games this year. But it's becoming more apparent to me that Ben Roethlisberger is not going to be the quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. I just... I'm not seeing any signs of, uh, of, of management kind of uh, giving a, 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 a an approval that this guy, even though he's play, said I'll come in and play for whatever, uh, but it seems to me that Ben Roethlisberger is not going to be the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think they look at this team, there is elite talent at the receiver position, and it just seems like that this team is ready to move in a different direction. Now, I don't think Haskins is going to be the answer to that, but I don't think Ben Roethlisberger is going to be here quarterback in the, the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. 
No, I, I, I think that it's a situation where, uh, you know, it appears Pittsburgh is ready is ready to to move on from um, is ready to move on, and I think uh, they they you know they they have to realize you know that he, you you got to have a quarterback that has <clears throat> some mobility, um, and you know it just. It, it doesn't. It just doesn't appear that there's, you know, any reason for for Roethlisberger to keep going at this point. It just seemed like he was really declining uh, as the season went on. And uh, I don't know what Pittsburgh is going to do because, um, you know, their 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 situation at quarterback is not good either. After, uh, you know. Yeah, after Roethlisberger, I'm not, I'm not, you know, filled with, uh, with, with, with Haskins either, like what he's going to do. So they're not even in a drafting position that they could probably get themselves uh, a first round quarterback either. So, um, and then also one other thing that shouldn't go under, that shouldn't go unnoticed and not talked about is is Marquise Pouncey was retiring and that was like a, a mainstay for the Steelers, their offensive line and Ben Roethlisberger. And uh, I think honestly, you should have thought about it and probably retired the next day. Let me ask you a question. Um, I, I think this is an interesting one. I'm going to throw it out there. Uh, maybe I'm out of my mind on this one. So the Pittsburgh Steelers did go out of their way to bring Josh Dobbs back to this roster. I, Mason Rudolph, by the way, is not, not you know, in my opinion, is definitely not the answer. And I would agree the same thing with, with Haskins. But and, and Tomlin actually made a few comments about Dobbs. And Dobbs had gone to Jacksonville uh, and, and Pittsburgh went ahead and grabbed him. Is there a possibility that Josh Dobbs gets an opportunity for the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback job? You know, you mentioned mobility, right? Um, and, and Dobbs has that. Uh, they went back to get this player. I've heard, I've seen a few comments. Is that an outlandish uh, point that I am making? No, because if Roethlisberger retires, the depth chart is not looking good. Um, they're not going to be able to get a, one of those five first-round quarterbacks where they're picking. Um and then after that, there's nobody that would come in there and definitely be a starter. I mean, who knows if they'd be, you know, interested in Garoppolo or somebody at Trubisky or somebody like that. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call that that thought or that comment outlandish. I think, uh, I think at this point, there are any number of players who could be quarterbacking for the Steelers next year. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. Again, you know, I don't think uh, you know Haskins coming in here is is any threat to anybody, but the, you know that remains to be seen. Now, 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 based on what you're hearing, what you think, um, it seems at this point in time that I you know there's been comments made about Derek Carr. It looks like the Raiders have made him off limits for a trade. Uh, I think the likelihood that Jimmy Garoppolo is quarterbacking the New England Patriots to me that is a rising. Um, that to me is rising odds at this at this point in time. Uh, although one of the guys that we thought was was likely to go potentially to San Francisco was Matt Ryan, and Atlanta seems to be in the position where they say he's going to be the quarterback there. Has anything shifted um, in the sands for you in terms of any of those players? No, I, I think you know I, I don't know where Garoppolo ends up. I think New England at this point is going to be one of two things. Um, 
I think they're either going to try and make that kind of a deal to bring in Garoppolo, who they're familiar with, or um, Belichick has probably had numerous conversations about Mac Jones, uh, who'll be the fifth quarterback taken in the first round, and they're drafting at 15, and I'm sure there's a, you know, in their minds, at least a decent chance that they'll have a shot at that player. So it'll either be Mac Jones or Garoppolo, I think, brought in for um, for New England because I, I just know that there's nobody in their building that they think uh, can help, you know, them make the playoffs. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you take into account uh, Belichick's relationship with Saban, uh, as yeah. well as well as his knowledge of Garoppolo, I think in, in both those instances, you know, I, either or of those situations uh, make a lot of sense to me. And, and yeah, then, I guess the, the 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 last quarterback situation is the ongoing Cowboys Dak Prescott soap opera, and um, it, you know, I don't know your opinion or how you see it's going to play out, but to me. This is starting to get the Kirk Cousins feel to it, where it's just inevitable that it's getting to such a point with his salary that he's just going to be moved to another team. That it, you know, the, the, the it's going to cost the Cowboys so much money, his base salary, uh, to to tag him the next two years, uh, and and they can't agree on a long term deal because Dak doesn't want to sign a five year deal. And the Cowboys already wasted two or three of those years that he could have been under contract if they could have signed him to a long-term deal. That it's getting so expensive that to me it, it kind of has the, the 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 same relationship that Kirk Cousins had with the Washington Football Team, then the Redskins, uh, where it just it seems inevitable that he's going to just be playing football somewhere else. Yeah, which is pretty amazing when you think about it. You know, we talked about this, about what kind of numbers this offense was putting up under Prescott. Yes, part of it was due to the fact that they were behind in a lot of games. Their defense wasn't really getting much done, especially in the early part of the season. But I don't know what more Prescott has to do as a quarterback. I really think very little as far as I'm concerned. And for whatever the reason is, that confidence or that, that ability to get a deal done has just not been there. So I, I would agree with you. It's not smelling very, very good. And I think the Cowboys are going to have to make an economic decision here, right? Like they, they've laid money out uh, for other players and, and decisions have to be made, you know, and I've got a big problem just in general, what's happened in the NFL with, We've seen a majority of teams, you know, kind of go in this direction, 14, 15, 16% allocated to the quarterback and as part of the salary cap. And generally speaking, it's, it, that does not yield beneficial fruit, uh, you know, in terms of you winning a championship. I think it puts you behind the eight ball. And I think there is definitely, especially when you think about those deals that were signed, the Wentz deal, the Goff deal, you know, there's, there's definitely going to be a little bit more of a reluctance to put that many eggs in, in one basket in one position. Uh, and, and I think maybe the Cowboys think and, and, and at some point in time begin to shift gears and they start to think about a new quarterback for this franchise. And, and you know, maybe they are p- possibly a destination for one of these veteran quarterbacks if, in fact, they aren't able to come to agreement where the Cowboys do something different at quarterback is it possible absolutely i think it's possible yeah it's um, just you know amazing to see i think the cowboys have um mismanaged a bunch of situations um they brought in players who had just terrible and terrible 
character issues and they brought them in. That didn't look good. Then they kind of got run over by Elliot. And then the way he's played since, they look like they've mismanaged that. The Dak Prescott, he looks terrific. And they, they keep franchising him. And it just it, it looks like just a bunch of mismanagement, uh, a continuing theme with the Cowboys uh, over these last, I don't know, decade-plus of, of football where it looks like on paper they have the most of talent in the division, but they just can't get, they can't get out of their own way, and there's no reason to believe that they'll get, they'll get out of their own way. I think to your point, it, it's years, right? I mean, how many, how many playoff games have the Cowboys won in the last 20 years? It, it, it can't be many. It's 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 we're counting them on on one hand, which you know again a storied franchise, which has won you know a lot of a, a lot of championships, at least early on um, in, in the franchise's history. But the last 15, 20 years have been marked with mishaps, mismanagement, and uh, you know to 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 the to, you know when you look at all of the situations, just a lot of disappointment to the to the faithful of the Dallas Cowboys. No, definitely, and that. Division is just wow. I mean, you just look of what's going on there. It's just a, a comedy of errors, um, just that that goes on, and uh, some of these teams just can't get out of their own way. And uh, organizationally, um, it's just filled with terrible management, and terrible owners. There's nothing else you could really say about that. I mean, the Giants at least have had you know pretty much steady rock ownership and um and they were lucky to get themselves uh, a quarterback that was there for a long period of time but uh these other teams it just it just it doesn't in the last 10 years plus it just seems it, it, they they can't figure it out and uh it, it's a shame because these teams the cowboys have a truckload of money to spend and uh they can't get it right yeah, no, and I think I think you know in this division right now, I think I think the Giants made some significant strides. Joe Judge seems to have garnered uh, a lot of respect from it, from his players. I think the same could be said about Ron Rivera, and and I think you know when you look at the Redskins, or sorry, the Washington Football Team, um, the defensive side of the ball looks tremendous for for the future. It's young. Uh, you've got guys signed to. Um, low contracts, and they're going to be highly productive, at least for the next couple of years. And they, they will make some decisions. I think they got, got themselves a couple of fine young offensive players in, in, in guys like McLaurin and Antonio Gibson. So what they do at quarterback uh, will be important. But Ron Rivera is, is a steadier hand here uh, on an otherwise very unsteady island that uh, Mr. Daniel Snyder has been uh, running for quite some time. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Daniel Snyder and Jerry Jones, it just really just goes to show you you could have all the money in the world, which those two guys have. It doesn't guarantee you wins because uh, you need organizationally uh, people in the building who, who know what they're doing. And uh, I'm always dubious when it comes to the Cowboys picking them uh, because um, it, it just doesn't seem to uh, ever ever pan out for one reason or another. And uh it's it's difficult, and I'm I'm just curious what Dak Prescott is thinking about his time. Like, does he even want to be there at this point? So uh, these are things that you know will be interesting to see how it plays out 
uh, over these next few weeks for sure. Yep, and we and we have some form of you know we're going to start doing draft preparations here because we got to start thinking about that. Uh, you know the you'll, the draft boards. I know they're not going to be. Uh, combines this year but you're going to see some player i guess you'll see some player pro days so i think that'll that'll take the place of them so we'll be focusing on that uh and and we'll be paying very close attention to the free agent period which will beginning uh in about a month's time if i'm not mistaken yeah no i think it's march 18th yeah exactly just basically a month from today and then basically in two months from today around that time the uh nfl draft so uh is a little bit of time right now, but uh, you know it, it'll be it'll be upon us soon. And uh, some of these free agents out there at the skill positions, running back and wide receiver, to see landing spots, who gets re-signed, uh, where they go to, how that affects uh, fantasy values for that player and the surrounding players on that team, and the teams that they left behind. Um, always make things very very interesting, and uh, you have to start looking at that immediately. I think. All right, fantastic. So uh, we're going to wrap it up there. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. We're on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, as we've told you, we're going to be coming to you each and every week, uh, a couple of times a week in the off season, because there's a lot to prepare for. Football 2021 has begun. Wiz, I wish you a good rest of the weekend, and uh, look forward to catching up next week. You got it. Thanks a lot.